The word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to BromleyTownChurch.com. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have to come into your house. We thank you that you are sovereign. All things are in your hands. We thank you that you are in control. And Lord, we just commit ourselves into your hands. We pray, Lord, that you'd open our hearts and our ears to receive what you have for us today. Help us, Lord. We know we have nothing without you. The very breath of life that we have is from you. So, Lord, we humble ourselves before you. And we ask that you will have your way and your way alone. In Jesus' name. Amen. Right, so today is about service. Talking about service. Um, but it's talking about service to God by serving others. Um, let me just start by reading from Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10 to 12. It's not going to come up on the screen because it's a late addition uh, to the uh, notes. That's why it won't come up. Um, Hebrews 6, 10 to 12 says this, For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers, as you still do. Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts, in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. Then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. God will not forget how hard you have worked for him by caring for others. When we care for others, when we serve others, we think we're doing it for them. And sometimes, because we think we're doing it for them, we do it depending on how they react. And if they don't look like they deserve it, we don't do it. But this is telling us your service to others is actually to God, not to those that you're serving. Um, when I was preparing for this, I came across a story um, that I thought actually brilliantly helps me get the message across. So I'm going to read you the story. Uh, you'll have to bear with me. It'll take a few minutes. Um, and also I have to tell you, it's a little bit of a sad story. So uh, just a disclaimer there. But it's a powerful story. 
So let me share this story with you. So the story goes, it's a story called Sarah's Vase, written by uh, a Dr. David Sequeira. I probably haven't pronounced his name right. Uh, but the story goes like this. So Sarah's parents were new to town, and she was just getting to know her classmates at church. As a second grader, I think probably our year three or something like that, uh, she was full of energy and beaming with naughtiness. As Sarah's Sunday school teacher, my wife provided me with a limitless supply of funny stories. Monday night dinner was usually served with Sarah's latest antics. Everyone at church seemed to like her. She was simply an easy kid to fall in love with. One Sunday, my wife had prepared a lesson on being useful. She taught the children that everyone can be useful. That usefulness is serving God. And that doing so is worthy of honor. The kids quietly soaked up my wife's words. And as the lesson ended, there was a short moment of silence. Then Sarah spoke up. Teacher, what can I do? I don't know how to do too many useful things. Not anticipating that kind of response, my wife quickly looked around and spotted an empty flower vase on the windowsill. Sarah, you can bring in a flower and put it in the vase. That would be a useful thing to do. Sarah frowned. But that's not important, she said. It is, replied my wife, if you are helping Someone. Sure enough, the next Sunday, Sarah brought in a dandelion and placed it in the vase. In fact, she continued to do so each week. Without reminders or help, she made sure the vase was filled with a bright yellow flower, Sunday after Sunday. When my wife told our pastor about Sarah's faithfulness, he placed the vase upstairs in the main sanctuary next to the pulpit. That Sunday, he gave a sermon on the honor of serving others, using Sarah's vase as an example. The congregation was touched by the message, and the week started on a good note. It goes downhill, unfortunately, from here. As a physician, I have developed an uncomfortable feeling about telephone calls. During that same week, I got a call from Sarah's mother. She worried that Sarah seemed to have less energy than usual and that she didn't have an appetite. Offering her some reassurances, I made room in my schedule to see Sarah the following day. After a series of tests and days of examinations, I sat numbly in my office, Sarah's paperwork on my lap. The results were tragic. On the way home, I stopped to see Sarah's parents, so that I could personally give them the sad news. Sarah's genetics and the leukemia that was attacking her small body were a horrible mix. Sitting at the kitchen table, I did my best to explain to Sarah's parents that nothing could be done to save her life. I don't think I've ever had a more difficult conversation than the one that night. Sarah's mom looked me in the eye and with tears asked, how can this happen? Why would God allow this? As, the doctors, as doctors, we try everything to save a life. 
Sometimes we find ourselves wishing to trade our life for that one of our patients, especially when they are as dear as Sarah. But sometimes nothing can be done, and a tragic end is only a matter of time. Sarah was to have such an end, such a beautiful life ended by such pain and anguish. It became difficult to question, it became difficult not to question the goodness of God in Sarah's life. Time pressed on, Sarah became confined to bed and to the visits that many people gave her. She lost her smile, she lost most of her weight, and then it came, another phone call. Sarah's mother asked me to come and see her. I dropped everything and ran to the house. There she was, a small bundle that barely moved. After a short examination, I knew Sarah would soon be leaving this world. I urged her parents to spend as much time as possible with her. That was a Friday afternoon. On Sunday morning, church started as usual. The singing, the sermon, it all seemed meaningless when I thought of Sarah. I felt enveloped in sadness. At the end of the sermon, the pastor suddenly stopped speaking. His eyes wide, he stared at the back of the church with utter amazement. Everyone turned to see what he was looking at. It was Sarah. Her parents had brought her for one last visit. She was bundled in a blanket, a dandelion in one little hand. She didn't sit in the back row. Instead, she slowly walked up to the front of the church where our vase still perched by the pulpit. She put her flower in the vase and a piece of paper beside it. Then she returned to her parents. Since Sarah placed a flower in the vase for the last time, moved everyone. At the end of the service, people gathered around Sarah and her parents trying to offer as much love and support as possible. I could hardly bear to watch. Four days later, Sarah died. I cancelled my morning appointments and sat at my desk, thinking about her and her parents hurting. I remember the funny stories that my wife told about Sarah. I remember the sweet sound of her laughter. I remember that telephone call that brought the sadness. Tears filled my eyes once again. I struggled not to question the goodness of God in allowing Sarah's life to end in such a horrible way. I wasn't expecting it, but our pastor asked to see me after the funeral. We stood at the cemetery near our cars as people walked past us. In a low voice, he said, Dave, I've got something you ought to see. He pulled out of his pocket the piece of paper that Sarah had left by the vase. Holding it out to me, he said, you'd better keep this. It may help you in your line of work. I opened the folded paper to read in pink crayon what Sarah had written. Dear God, this vase has been the biggest honor of my life, Sarah. Sarah's note and her vase helped me to understand and now realize in a new way that life is an opportunity to serve God by serving people. And as Sarah put it, that is the biggest honor of all. It's a true story. And um, I didn't want to take the story and kind of paraphrase and retell it my own way. I wanted to read the whole story. Because I think it's such a powerful story. That life is an opportunity to serve God by serving other people. If I go back to the beginning when Sarah first heard the message, 
now to be useful. He said, what can I do? And in truth, that's what we would say when we hear a message like this. What can I do? I can't sing. If I had to pick one thing to do, I'd want to join the worship team. But you wouldn't want to hear me in the worship team. Trust me. Um, yeah. I could just imagine auditioning for the, uh, uh, with Dan and his crew there with the buzzers. <laughs> yeah. Probably a few seconds in there. Ah. So, um, no, uh, definitely not. Um, but it's a question, it's a common question. What can I do? You look around, it's like, oh. Because it's sometimes um, hard for us to immediately see what we can contribute. Where do I fit in? How can I add to this? Where, what can I do? And sometimes, maybe we look at the things that, uh, where the gaps are, and we think, oh, that's not really important. You know, it's not really important, you know. What's that going to do? Like Sarah thought, how is putting a flower in a vase going to be useful to anyone? That was her idea. That's what she thought. And it's a natural thing we ask ourselves. And it's because we often think in the natural. When we're trying to work out what's useful, what's not, we're looking in the natural. We're looking at what appears to be useful and not. And for her as well, yes, I mean, if there was a flower vase there with a flower in it, how useful is it? But in truth, we don't know what's going on behind the smiles and the facade that we sometimes put up. We don't know. God knows. And it's up to God to determine what is useful and what's not. It's up to us to just serve. Because that's what he asks us to. You know, in Matthew uh, 25, Matthew 25, uh, verse 14 to 18, it's a story that we are familiar with. It's a story of a man who goes on a journey, calls his servant. As it says here, um, again, it's like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. So a couple of things to note in that. Firstly, everyone was given something. Everyone was given something. Okay. And the second thing is, there was an expectation from the master that you would do something with what you're giving. Okay. And we know because when the master comes back and the one with five said, look what I've done. The one with two said, look what I've done. And the one with one said, ah, I just dug a hole in. Because oh, one is not enough. It can't do anything. It's not worth much. So I just thought I'd hide it. And what did the master say? At the very least, you could have put in a bank to earn interest or something. Do something with it. So that was the expectation 
And we know that we are all given something. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, it says this, God has given each of you a gift for, from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Use them well. I'm just going to stop for a minute. I'm going to stop for a minute and just pray. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you this morning. Thank you, Lord Jesus, this morning. Thank you for your presence in this place. Thank you for your anointing in this place. Thank you for your spirit in this place. We commit all to you, Lord. We thank you. We thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Right, so, if we move on, Apostle Paul makes a very similar point in his letter to the Romans, Romans 12, 6 to 8. And it says this, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is given, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. We just got to think about how we serve. I think the obligation for us as Christians is that we serve. And we serve somewhere. We're all going to serve in different places. But I think what we're trying to get across is, you know, Jesus said, um, seek first the kingdom of God, right? It's about priorities. It's about how do we prioritize. Because let's be honest, we all have 24 hours in a day. We all have responsibilities, uh, whether it's work, family, etc. We all have that to varying degrees, okay, to varying degrees. The important thing is that we decide that we are going to serve God by serving others because that's what the Bible says. And I think the question about what can I do, uh, we were having this conversation uh, a few weeks ago, and we know there are some things that come easier to us than other things, okay? But oftentimes, we think of the things that come easy to us as probably things that come easy to everyone, when in fact, that's not the case, you know? So a good place to start is always things that maybe come easier to you than other things, that's a good place to start in terms of determining where you can contribute. But I think the decision is that we make that we must contribute somewhere. And looking at Sarah's story, I love how her obedience and faithfulness was all in effect rewarded. Because God does reward obedience and faithfulness. And the role the pastor plays when, she, when he heard about her faithfulness decides to promote the vase from the windowsill in a small room right to the main hall, main pulpit. And that's what God does. God rewards obedience and faithfulness. Remember the story of Abraham. Um, Abraham, Genesis chapter 12, 1 to 4. You know the story. Uh, the Bible says, the Lord said to Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. 
I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on the earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he left Haran. I think of Abraham now, and I think, you know, in today's world, Abraham gets this message. He's doing all right where he is. You know, retirement age, whatever. It's like, just kind of relaxed. And you know, this is not the time for big change. This is not the time to suddenly decide you're going somewhere else. I just imagine God speaking to Abraham in today's world. And uh, let's assume he can, you know, he's tech savvy. Goes on Google Maps. So let me check out this place that God's sending me to. Thank God for Google Maps. You can see what the place looks like. I can just imagine him thinking, I don't think this is God. Because there's nothing there. <laughs> I mean, at my age, <laughs> I need to start again. And no, 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 no. This can't be God. Okay? And that's because sometimes when God speaks to us, we look first. We look and go, no, it doesn't look like I want to go there. This is the thing about faith and obedience. If God speaks, we obey, regardless of how it looks. Obedience requires faith, absolutely does. And we know that God accounted to Abraham righteousness because of his faith, because he obeyed, because he went. In Hebrews 11, 8, it says it was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. You know, when we go back to Sarah's story, you know, this whole thing about bringing a flower, it's probably not too far-fetched to think that other than being complimented for actually sticking with it, she probably wouldn't have seen what usefulness that flower was doing. You know, she wouldn't know. But that's okay. Sometimes you don't have to know. If God says go, just go. You don't have to know. You know, I remember the story of Job. You know, Job went through difficult times, terrible times. God never really explained to Job why. He never really answered his question. And I think we have to get to a position where we accept God as sovereign. He's sovereign. He doesn't have to explain everything to us. We don't have to know everything. But we have to act in faith. We have to act by faith. And I love the way that even at the very end, she was faithful. Even at the very end. I mean, let's be honest. Let's be honest. She had every right to say, I'm not interested anymore. I mean, at that age, going through what she was going through. She had every right to say, yeah, I've done what I was asked to do. I've been obedient. I've been faithful. And this has happened to me. She had every right to turn her back on God. We would think. And we see that a lot. But yet, literally, a few days, she still came in. 
bringing that flower in. Faithfulness to the very end. And that reminds me of uh, Paul's letter to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4.7. Where he said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. I love his, I fought the good fight. Now, it doesn't mean that along the way he didn't do things wrong, he didn't get things wrong, but he is talking about remaining faithful and being faithful. Very different to Sarah's situation because she was very young. He it's in a few years. But the point's the same, that even to the very end, they were faithful. And that is important. Obedience and faithfulness, they go together. We don't have to understand everything. But we just have to decide. That's what we're doing. And just lastly, purpose through service. You know, we live in a world that is very self-centered. We know that. There's a lot of self-help, self-this, self-that, everything, self, 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 self. It's everywhere. Now, don't get me wrong. You have to look after yourself to a degree. Otherwise, you know, on the, on, the, on the plane they go, make sure you put your own mask on before you're trying to help others because you might not be able to help others if you don't do that. So this is not about not looking after ourselves. But this is about not looking after ourselves to the extent that we only have time for others when it's convenient. You know, when I've got a little bit of time, I'll help. But other than that, I'm not going to prioritize helping others because I've got to look after myself. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, the, this first, America first, etc., etc. Everyone's kind of, you know, me, me, me first. That's not what we're called to as Christians. Jesus teaches a life of service. That's what Jesus taught. He didn't just teach it. He lived it. In Matthew 20, 28, it says this. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. He came to serve. You know, I think that if you're a Christian and you're a member of a church, you should serve in that church. No questions. In fact, I'll go as far as saying every Christian should serve in a church somewhere. You, know, you should be a member of a church and you should serve in that church in whatever capacity you can. I think it's important. Of course, the service we're talking about here extends beyond service in church because the service to God that it talks about, you know, when Jesus said, or oh, uh, when I was hungry, you didn't feed me. When I was thirsty, you didn't give me drinks. And they were like, oh, hang on a minute. When was that? <laughs> There's never been a time that you needed water that we didn't give it to you. And he said, well, because you didn't do it for all these other people, you didn't do it for me. Again, going back to the very, very first scripture I read, that when we are serving others, we are really serving God. That's what we're doing. We're really serving God. So I really want to encourage you. Over the coming weeks, the different teams who come up here, they'll tell you what they do. They'll tell you uh, the gaps there are. There are always gaps. 
There are always gaps somewhere. Okay. So there's always somewhere that you can fit in. Uh, but I think it's important as a Christian to have the mindset that I must serve. Full stop. And if we have that mindset, then we go and look for where to serve rather than I'll serve if I find something that looks interesting to me. I think it's a different mindset. The mindset must be, I have to serve. Right, where can I serve? So let me encourage you. When you serve, don't look at the faces because you might deserve not to serve. You might decide not to serve. But think of your service to others as service to God. Because that's what it is. Amen? I'm just going to pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you came to serve through your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that you've given us the opportunity to serve you by serving others. Father, I just pray that you will help us Help us to put you first, to prioritize you, to prioritize your house, to prioritize your kingdom. Help us to set our focus on you in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com.